0: It's funny, you mentioned uh, like conflicting uh, things, feelings and et cetera. Uh, That's definitely one of the things that's difficult about being in both worlds of consulting and assisting and performing because I'm so exposed to, to Dan and literally every show that he does, I'm there. I'm there for every single show. So just hearing him performing in his character, the way he performs, that gets in my head. And so when I perform, that becomes automatic where it's so easy for me to just recite the things he would say. And I have to actively make sure that I don't. Otherwise, I would just be doing a really good impression of Dan White,
1: right? They're guys. They do magic. magic. They are the magic guys.
2: All oh, boys, episode 126. Over to my left, we have Nick K. Welcome to the show, friends. Down below, we got Dougie Kahn. Salutations. Oh yeah, and I'm your boy Josh Norbido. Welcome to the pod. It's good to see everyone in here already. Now we are not gonna wait for the intro to end. There we go. It ended. I thought it might might take a hot second there. There's not just three magic guys today. We have roped in another magic guy from across the pond in New York City. There's a lot of talk. To, there's a lot to talk about with this gentleman, and I don't want to bring up all the the main things he does because we're going to talk about it all. But let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. It's Dennis Kim. Here he is, Dennis Kim, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to start off straight away. We're putting him to the test with a little magic. Dennis, take it away.
0: All right, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really do appreciate it. I I have to admit, it's been a long time since I've done virtual magic. Uh, I used to do a lot during the pandemic, 2020 and 2021. So it's nice to revisit this, Um, but I did want to kick this off with a
2: uh, little routine. Hey guys, it's your friendly neighborhood magician, Josh. And I just want to let you know that Dennis Kim does some mind-blowing crazy awesome magic in this podcast. It's all very visual because it's designed for virtual magic. So I'm going to speed up his performances a bit here if you're listening to this in audio land, um, but know you can go to the YouTube channel. It'll be chapter marked and you'll be able to find his performances and actually watch and enjoy it as its entirety. But to save you having to listen to a couple of minutes of kind of scripting without really knowing what's happening, I'm going to fast forward it for your ear pleasure, um, but know you can go and watch that. And with that said, let's get back to the pod.
0: And inside this box is not a deck of playing cards, but uh, an envelope. And inside this envelope is a playing card. Now, you all named uh, different components of playing cards to create the Three of Hearts. And oddly enough, inside is. <laughs> oh
2: my lord.
3: <clears throat> Thank you so much. <clears throat> that was fun, guys. <laughs> what a beautiful piece of magic, friend. Appreciate cool. it. Thank
2: you so much. All right. Museum of Illusions. Sure. Tell us about it. This is the first time I'd heard about it when, when I was looking into the world of Dennis Kim, head entertainer at Museum of Illusions. What is it, Dennis?
0: Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if they have any locations in Australia, but it did start in Croatia. It's a Croatian business uh, that uh, expanded to the U.S. They have so many locations in the U.S. now. And uh, the... New York location, the one that I worked at, was number four in the whole world. So it's like very early on. It opened late uh, 2018. And when you walk into this museum, there's all sorts of like these optical illusions, uh, things that you might see in like those optical illusion books that you might be familiar with, like spirals. You look in the middle for like 30 seconds, you look around, things are like wavy. Or they have like certain cool illusions, like they have like rooms, like uh, large scale uh, like illusions that people can have like there's like these photo ops where if you stand on one side of a room you look really big and on the other side of the room you look really small as oh. so you get two people and it's great uh opportunity to uh, get photos for like social media and things so a uh, very family-friendly place and so oh, that's, um that's great yeah
2: is that kind of like where you had the um the fruit bowl illusion where it's like it looks like your head uh, is on a fruit fruit platter is that that thing yes
0: that's exactly that's exactly the place and it's really nice because it's also very educational very family friendly so they have the explanations behind all these illusions so you can see exactly how it works you know it's all smoke and mirrors this and,
1: something that a, uh, a tour guide takes you through or is it free reign and follow yeah. up where does a magician fit into this
0: it's a pretty self-guided tour, at least in the New York location. There's like minor variations, uh, location, location, but there's about 40, 41 exhibits. Uh, again, it's self-guided. So people can just follow the numbers and uh, explore by themselves. Now we do have staff on the floor to uh, help out for like taking photos, being like an extra hand for that. Uh, but nothing like an actual tour guide. We actually used to do that for like a uh, certain private buyouts. Uh, mm-hmm. Like people would do like birthday parties for like children and things and um, I would go in and actually guide them through and then I would also incorporate magic with uh, a lot of the exhibits to make it kind of a very immersive experience. So
3: in private events, yeah. has there ever been anyone of like any stature celebrities that have come through you've had the pleasure of sort of meeting before?
0: Yeah, uh, I could actually, there's only one instance, uh, and this is actually very recent. Um, I, I was just hit up, uh, you know, uh, uh, JB, who's uh, the founder of Theory 11, he just reached out to me. He was like, "Yeah, we're trying to get uh, Neil Patrick Harris to go to the museum. Is there is there an opening?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm not working there on the weekends, <laughs> but it's very busy. Um, let me hit them up." And then uh, you know, I was able to um, get Neil and his family to, go to the museum. It was nice because no one recognized him, which is which is really nice. So, um, oh wow, Yeah, you know,
2: I know because he wasn't wearing a suit. I'm guessing.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I guess he had like a hat on, maybe even a face mask. I don't know, but. Um, you know, yeah. you know celebrities don't want to be bothered so much trying to be normal people. So yeah. if you
3: walked in like... like if you... So I was just going to say, a lot of people try to hide these magic things. There's some people who are really big fans. Scarlett Johansson, uh, for one, is a big, big fan of magic. And yeah. um, she would sneak into like Monday Night Magic and Michael Chout would be like, bro, wow. the chick in the glasses in the back, that's Scarlett Johansson. I'm like, no way! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's a really that's big fan. True. She's lovely.
2: Well, I mean, Dan White performed for Scarlett Johansson, so I'm sure that was something... You know, Dennis had to be a part of and stuff. Anyway, but that's got to be wild. The people you would, or the events you would end up doing in New York. Like, what? What is the magic scene like in New York <clears throat> in terms of events and stuff? Is it quite uh, like? Are there are there a ton of magicians all sort of? You know, is there a lot of uh, also what yeah. I'm saying? Not competition, but friendly competition. What's it? Right. Yeah, tell us about it.
0: Yeah. uh, I like to have the mindset where there's more than enough to go around. Uh, I think having that attitude is really conducive to even like your own success. You know, there are certain people that think, no, it's competitive. I need to get the gigs that someone else doesn't. And Mm -hmm. I don't really see those kinds of people lasting much just because of that attitude. There's just so much opportunity in New York. Uh, I think it's fair to say if I moved anywhere else, I don't know if I'd be able to do this full time, it would be a really tough transition. And especially with most cities in the u.s you just can't do this at all i'm sure la is viable chicago is viable uh, new york definitely but uh, there's just so much opportunity and things have turned around so quickly since covid like 2022 was such a like such a fast transition it feels like pre-covid times um, and has been already so a lot a lot of stuff a lot of uh, opportunity a lot of people are trying to make new things like wacky things happen and It always for some reason involves a magician
3: so you know it's Mm. interesting that you say there's more than enough to go around because i'm like in melbourne especially here in australia like there's a huge level of camaraderie where i will gladly handball some of my gigs to my friends um and then the same with me like we are never in contention with each other if i know someone's quoting a big gig i won't undercut them it's just something we don't do and i didn't realize how like not norm that was until teller from penn and teller was visiting in town and you know we're driving out to uh to, to, we're taking him along on the coast so we can go sightseeing and so forth. And I'm literally handballing gigs to the guys in the back seat as I'm driving. And he's going like, you give these guys work. I'm like, yeah. He's like, this is so amazing that you guys all take care of each other and talk each other up and be like, no, you're the guy. I'm like, dude, no, nah, my card work compared to your card work ain't porridge. And it's just like all this, mm-hmm. like this, this huge level. And he goes, this is unlike anywhere in the whole world. And, he, and that guy's traveled all over the world. And I thought that's really interesting that like, it's nice to hear that's the case in New York as well, because one thing that I was told, and this is what was taught to me at Magic Live, and I want to know your thoughts on this, thing that you're on the ground, and it's this. Mm-hmm. In L.A., it matters more how many followers you have, and in New York, it matters more how much talent you have. Oh, shit. I'm moving to L.A.
1: Ooh. I didn't know that. Why <laughs> did I tell me
0: that? <laughs> yes. Uh, there There is some merit to what you said there. I would have to agree. I mean, it's such a different game out there. And I'm only familiar because one of my brothers is a musician. He's a film scorer, composer, has been for like 12 years. And he lived out in L.A. for like 11 years. He just moved to Vegas like last year. Mm -hmm. So he's been in – it's very similar industries. It's all entertainment, right? And just hearing from him throughout the years what it's like and how uh, some people are, it's just super fake or people are just trying to do like the whole social climbing thing. I also, uh, one of my good friends, Kevin Lee, who does uh, magic in LA. Uh, He does things at the castle, all sorts of private events and whatnot. He tells me all about it, you know, like week by week, month by month. So it's definitely a lot more of like the influencer culture of like, oh, I'm a celebrity because I have X amount of followers. Like, look at me. And out in New York, I have to say... I mean, maybe I'm biased because uh, I was born and raised here. Like it feels more real. Like it doesn't matter that you have so many followers or not, like you could be so talented and have like 800 followers, like it doesn't matter. And no one really uh, judges you for having or not having uh, that kind of following here. So at least that's from what I see. I could be mistaken, I don't know,
2: but. No, that's perfect. That puts it perfectly. And you know, the idea of uh, an abundant mindset I've talked about this plenty of times, but, you know, even in in Brisbane, there's, let's say there's a hundred event venues, like hotels or function venues. They're all having events every night with multiple events. But let's, you know, if you're generous and say there's just five in each venue each week, which there's more, but let's say there's only five at a hundred venues, that's 500 events that could potentially have a magician every week. Now, there's no way I can cover all that. So even <clears throat> with all the magicians, in Brisbane, which is not that many, but even if there was a hundred, which there isn't working full time, you know, that's five events every week that we could potentially have. And, you know, there's no way we could cover all that. So like, you're right. You know, and in New York, I would, it would be insane the amount of potential there is for Mm -hmm. a place to have a magician, you know? Absolutely. But we got, we we got a, sorry, go on. And then we have a question for you as well.
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say like, it's, gotten to a point, and I'm not uh, unique in this way, like, it got to a point where I would have to say no to a lot of things, because there's just not enough time, there's things that are already booked. So I'm sure it's like that for a lot of working magicians in New York.
2: So I love it. So we have a question from Scotty P, and it is perfect for our next uh, question. Question for Dennis, do you find being a magic consultant, director assistant technician as rewarding as performing? Good question, Scotty.
0: Yeah. Um, I got to say, I mean, the answer is going to be different for different people in those kinds of roles. Uh, I personally, actually, I've never been asked that question. I got to think about that for a sec. Um, it's a mixed bag, to be honest. I, I think when it's something new and something particularly difficult that we're trying to solve, uh, working behind the scenes is so rewarding to be able to see that happen. And especially the first year of doing this and just uh, transitioning into like working behind the scenes and being the person that gives notes before and after a show and how to make a better routine. Uh, that was definitely a lot more rewarding to see. Like I directly influence the outcome and this is what the audience is seeing. That was so rewarding to me. Um, but I haven't done this for a, a few years. Like there are definitely weeks and perhaps even months at a time where it's just like, you know, it's, I'm kind of used to it. And then there are waves where I don't perform for a while. And then I perform again, and I'm like, "This is great, this is amazing." And then there's waves where I'm performing so much that I'm so burnt out of like trying to be that person uh, under the spotlight that it, it kind of goes back and forth. Whichever thing I'm doing less, which varies throughout the year, uh, it becomes more rewarding. So yeah, hope that answers your question.: I guess
1: you it's have good to have, to have a balance. consultant position right now where you're uh, behind the scenes. Is that Dan White's? Show is that what's happening? You know, yeah, you're I'm not on, being more aware.
0: Yeah, I'm on the team, uh, the magic team with uh, Dan White uh, in conjunction he has with a virtual happening. show. Correct? Is that still yep. active? Yeah, uh, we're up to show three hundred sixty something. I think three sixty two wow. or so. We've been doing this since uh, November of 2020.
1: So the ticket and sales are obviously good, right? Why? Are you and they definitely
0: slowed down, which makes total sense. Things yeah, are sure. back to
1: live, but we've
0: been doing one to two a month still. So one to two times a month, I'm still going up there and doing
2: that. Even being here in Brisbane, Australia, like word traveled pretty quick when reviews started coming in for Dan's show. Like, because uh, this is his show, he sent. It was this in conjunction with Theory 11, like they send out a box, mm-hmm. which you're involved in physically in the show, right? Mm-hmm. When I heard about that, I don't know if Nick or Doug have seen that show, but definitely when I heard about it, people were just like raving about it. So like, I can only imagine like how many people around the world were like, how the hell can I get to see this show? <laughs> yeah. What was it? So what was it like creating or working on that show? And did it in, did it like reflect on your own zoom shows like did it make was it hard to not like put something you created in that in your own like how does that conflict work
1: i I have a feeling (laughs) we've already got a sense of
2: that tonight yeah yeah that's right that's right
0: it's funny you mentioned uh like conflicting uh things feelings and etc uh that's definitely one of the things that's difficult about being in both worlds of consulting and assisting and performing because I'm so exposed to to Dan and literally every show that he does, I'm there. I'm there for every single show. So just hearing him performing in his character, the way he performs, that gets in my head. And so when I perform, that becomes automatic where it's so easy for me to just recite the things he would say. And I have to actively make sure that I don't. Otherwise I would just be doing a really good impression of Dan White, right? Um, but that being said, I mean, the, the whole process with the virtual magic, I mean, Zoom magic was not really a thing, even like throughout uh, the better part of 2020 when we're all like, what's happening? Like, what's going on? Um, it was fairly new. And we actually relatively were late to the game. And in retrospect, I was really glad about that because of how much planning went into this. I mean, talk about building the studio, having like all these screens and making sure all the tech Mm. is right, making sure that the choreography uh, and making this like two hour experience doesn't feel like you're just watching a two hour movie. Even like the logistics behind sending out boxes worldwide. And that was just a nightmare in and of itself.
1: Oh, I can't imagine that part of the process. Oh yeah.
0: Teams and warehouses, uh, let alone magic um but i mean it was really rewarding because there was nothing else going on right how really many
1: people just, would be on hand you say you were there with him is there yeah. more than you is there a team 20, yeah yeah so the, there with dan white
0: yeah the magic team would be very very small uh i would work directly uh, also with robert smith i don't know if you guys are familiar with b smith he has oh, a number yeah, of people sure. market mm-hmm. he's best known for cypher the impression yeah. of the impression stuff. Yep. Um, so I would directly work with him on the zoom show and we would have other people just like remotely uh, throughout the team. Like uh, uh, one of my other friends, Matt, he would also work uh, hands-on on the things uh, not there with me, but just kind of remotely. That include so. directing the show with video and such. Yeah. So that would actually be mainly my job uh, yep. with the zoom show itself. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not an AV guy, but I end up being that uh, for the zoom show. And I think, uh, it's been good. I would have I have experience of being able to multitask a lot of things on like all sorts of screens, make sure everything looks ideal for every second of the show, pulling up people really, really quickly, uh, things of that nature. So,
3: yeah. One more question before we press on the next bit. It's that um, when you're creating uh, bits of the show, what kind of happens with the intellectual property there? Like when you share something in this capacity, mm-hmm. do you still have permission to perform it as your own? Do you... Is it purely everything that you put into it belong to the person you're consulting for? Is it different from person to person? How does that kind of work I'm interested in?
0: That's a really good question. And that's one of those things that's not explicitly uh, said, right? First of all, there's like an NDA, of course. I think everything that I've said preceding this doesn't really say anything specific. Uh, But in terms of, yes, the intellectual property behind it, I would have to say, I think it's safe to say as a consultant, even if I uh created some sort of uh big component to a routine i would have to say that i created that for dan that doesn't mean that i can just take that element and put it into my own work now it's not always one-to-one i'm not doing the exact same routine so it will be different and it's coming from my mind so if i could build that for dan i can build something of a similar nature for my own stuff because it's me right um but just hearing stories of when dan used to work for copperfield and he would uh, bring ideas to Copperfield and yeah. then he would have stories of like,
3: no, I can't do it now because now
0: Copperfield loved it and he's doing it.
3: So, that's, so, yeah. that's what I've been told in the past. Yeah. Kayla Morelli yeah. is a good friend of, of, of mine. Of, I haven't seen him for a while now, but like yes. he tells me many stories in the same capacity where everything that comes out of his head now goes into the box of DC <laughs> and that's it. Like it's not his anymore. And that's yeah. the reason I asked the question.
2: Because yeah. then there has to be a thought of when you think of something good, you're like, oh, do I share this? <laughs> or do I keep this for myself? Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. yeah. And I, I got to say, I mean, I do feel very, very grateful for being able to work with a team like this with Dan. I mean, I I've seen him as I see him as a mentor. I, I think he's completely changed the way that I look at Magic entirely. Uh, right. And so... it's nothing but love just to share it allows you
1: to dream bigger right like you can have bigger dreams to bring to fruition when you have a toolkit like dan white possesses and you can envision that happen
0: exactly exactly he's got so much more pull a platform his his uh presence on stage to bring it to a wider audience and being able to see that it's not i think like ego wise like You might think that you have such a great idea, and it might be a great idea, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be the best idea that you have ever. Mm. You're just going to continue growing, and uh, that's what you're always striving for. So it's fine. It's it's more so exciting to bring something up that's really, really good that you want to share with the person you're working for. Mm. Um, So I never have a a conflict in that regard.
3: Yeah, it's like that old saying where it's like, if you're too afraid to give it away, what's like, you know, that you... That you don't have enough to create it's like if you if you are a good creator and you are great at your craft you should be giving mm. it all away so it didn't allow space to do something even better yeah yeah absolutely look th- talking about being
2: creative we have uh uh one of our guys on on the pod well i say one of the guys he's like he is a magic guy but he's you know he does what he wants he's in the shadows. scotty p who's in the chat section right now, he has created another animation of the podcast. So Dennis, we are so thankful to have viewers that actually create content for us. And this guy, he's picked um, a snippet from one of our past episodes. We're going to run that for you guys now and we're going to come back with our next segment. Scotty P, take it away. I I had to do a close-up gig on a bus once. It was on the highway going. You
1: we were performing from while it was moving on the
3: highway? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dude, uh, it's horrible. I've done yeah. one as well. It was a rough ride. Holy. Just, just everyone's awkward. getting drunk. There was just chicks hanging off like stripper poles in the thing. And you're just like, you wanna mm-hmm. you wanna remember this card? And they're like,
1: yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh,
3: <man. Man>.
2: uh, <laughs> Scotty P. He said this one was more for the taste of uh, Bob Possible, which we guys all know that. Oh my gosh! Well, there you go. And who knows, oh, Dennis? There may be one of you uh, coming up later you on ever after this episode. The party
1: bus and NYC, Dennis. You ever get those gigs? Oh no, No Not party buses.
2: Mm-mm. <laughs> all right, let's take it to our next segment. Then that's perfect that you asked that question, Doug. Let's go.
3: Welcome to Gig Stories friends, a little segment of the Magic Guys podcast. We like to talk about gigs or just magic moments in time in past. We'd like to share with our audience for posterity, starting this week with
1: Josh. I'll start because I All got right, a transportation right. gig story. But <laughs> did ChatGPT write that intro? It sounded like that was a ChatGPT written intro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so look, here's like I'm not on a bus, but I'm on a boat. And uh, it's Christmas Eve. It's a Christmas Eve gig. In New Orleans, along the Mississippi River, they light bonfires to lead Santa Claus to their houses. So the boats, the river boats, go up the river to look at the bonfires. And uh, I get seasick. So I take nausea medicine on these gigs. Really don't like being on a boat. Make a long story short, this three-hour gig, we go back to the dock. We can't dock at the gig we left at dock at the place we left at. The river has risen, the boat has to dock an hour south. Which means we're not docking at our car. This three hour gig takes eight hours to get to the car. Oh
0: You just build them the hours
1: after. On Christmas (laughs) Eve oh, oh wow <laughs> Fortunately, one of the rooms had a stripper pole and they were doing much the same thing in the party <laughs> bus so it was all good you know we had a good time we got through it
2: <laughs> brilliant that's what we hoped what a christmas day experience My God. Boy,
1: it was a rough way to start that i'm a father of three you know i had to go home and do that thing but
2: and was that the last gig you did
1: You know, I'm not fond of accepting (laughs) riverboat gigs ever since then. And I wasn't that day, but that gig was a fat one. A Christmas Eve, you know, three hours. I charged a bunch, but I didn't charge enough. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. Eight hours. Jesus. Yeah, it's good to have a deep repertoire. Like being an expert sleight of hand guy came in handy because that was one of the few things that were entertaining after hour six. You know, there wasn't a lot to do except for people to be like this. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, I think I had it bad, but people paid to come on this cruise, and now they can't get home either. You know,
2: by that stage, you're pulling out like variation twenty-one of triumph.
1: I mean, you know, everyone's seen Sponge Bunnies already. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, it's like Damn. the B the material was real.
2: The B material. <laughs> so my so my event, I went away on the weekend to this country town called Canamala, which I learned has a song called the Canamala Fella great great history to look up there it has a population of 1100 people but there's a golf masters tournament where um a lot of retirees and stuff that, that want a caravan like around australia each week during this tournament they go to a different remote town and they all play golf there and they've winners and they have a dinner event um in each one and so i got to perform at this one last week i found out they had the brilliant uh, ventriloquist Darren Carr from Australia here. Oh, um, he, he did yeah. a show there the week before. Freaking hilarious. Look him up, Darren Carr. But um, this week they got to have me. And what was unique was um, the temperature is freezing there. So it was 9 degrees Celsius when we were performing, and it's outdoors as well. So 9 degrees is like not far away from like snow and stuff like that, I guess, for our U.S. listeners. And when I got there, it's outdoors. So it's like a dinner under the stars. And um, the stage was pretty far away from the audience because they had a band playing and they wanted to give them this room of dirt for dancing. So I looked at it and I'm like, you know what? I need to be close to the audience. So they literally got two road cases and made like a riser for me right in front of the audience. So they got these two road cases, put them down together together put like a dresser around it. So it looked like a bit of a stage and um, this, so I'll just show a little photo on the screen here. This is like the setup. I'm looking a little serious there. Cause I didn't know it was being on photo there, but um, essentially I was like close to the audience. It ended up being like the best experience ever. I mean, this is me. Uh, this is me doing my uh, sound check and you can see all like the red dirt and stuff around. It's like literally that environment, you know, just got the red dirt. So I had a white jacket on, so I was, I was like, super Gosh, careful taking that off.
1: off. Beatboxing. I was yeah. Beatboxing. Were you getting oh.
2: down there? Wiki, wiki, wiki. Oh, exactly like that, Doug. Exactly <laughs> like that, because they had the best sound system. So even though we're in the country, it like it sounded, you know, it sounded like yeah, bro. So that was my story. I got to spend the weekend in the desert, up uh, in the desert, in the bush. Campfires at night, freezing cold, Curious. That's where my thermals. And
1: you rather it be freezing or? Hot, and this could be a group question.
2: Well, I don't have my Arctic freezing. cooling vest, so I probably have to go with the cold. Always, yeah,
3: always freezing.
1: Dennis, cold. do you ever find cold. yourself working outside in NYC? All the time,
0: yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Freezing time. or hot? are
0: freezing? Freezing for yeah. sure. Yeah. You get hot. I mean, the, the hands get clammy.
2: Now it's hard to yeah. you know, handle cards.
1: Agreed. It's consensus.
2: Yeah, yeah. Dennis, do you have well, a story? You like to share. Yeah,
1: I could
0: think of uh, just like the last gig that I did. Um, nothing too crazy. Uh, it's for it was for this company called uh, Seek Rex. It's like this upcoming uh, company in New York City where they're almost like being like a like a trip advisor Yelp kind of thing where it's giving recommendations uh, for all sorts of niches for what you can do in the city. And it's uh, it's been growing pretty quickly. And uh, from time to time, they would have these events, maybe like monthly. And sometimes they asked me to perform. Uh, so it was like a variety show of, of magic, which was me. And there was a stand-up comedian and a burlesque dancer, a burlesque dancer. So three of us, um, I was going to go on last, uh, they overbooked this, uh, this event, right. So it's like sold out, but it was like too much. It was at a bar that was, uh, they thought we were going to have a certain room in this venue, but then they couldn't get it. So we were shoved into this smaller bar that probably fits like 20 people. And there was like 65 so this is very like I'm like this is like a house party in college or something like it's just so hot too even with the ac people are not happy mm. it was a whole nightmare even trying to yeah. go to the back and even get all my stuff um and also also i was trying out uh some new materials so like recently i got uh, the new angelo Carbone uh thing uh the book test uh, the end right uh it's very um very similar to like the Brushwood uh, book tests. And so I was like, oh, let's try this out and see what it feels like to perform like a, a multi-phase book test and do this whole thing. Um, and I'm glad that I went on last because, uh, you know, with the stand comedy and the dancing, like it was fine. People were really irritated and it was hot and there weren't enough seats for people. But with the magic, I mean, you could just tell with the reactions every step of the way, it's like a 35 minute performance. I went like five minutes over. Um, you could just tell like people really enjoyed it, but I, I started feeling bad because um, people like, as they were leaving the event, because it was over after my performance, like there were just so many people that would come up to me and not the other two. And it, it's just like, yeah, I should probably stand not next to them. Cause like you could just tell that they were there and they loved the magic, but they weren't showing the love for the other performers. Um, but it was nice to be able to perform like new material, and it was just like a tough environment. Super hot, people are irritated. But um, yeah, that was my last gig. Huh? I don't know.
2: Yikes! And whenever there's heat, man, it's like people just aren't going to act normal, are they? It's just yeah, yeah. They're trying yeah. to cool down. Yeah. Get some beers into them.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it, it was nice to be able to no, get no, the notes on the strength sorry? of the strength of. You know, good magic in an intimate situation, you know, if you're doing good magic and and you're in that kind of like energy where people get into it, it's good stuff, right? As opposed to maybe comedy that's like, "Eh -eh," and everyone's like, it's hot in here, you know, or maybe the dancing's Mm. not that good or the girl's not that sexy. (laughs) But I'm guessing your magic is top tier, (laughs) right? I mean, I couldn't see myself. I seen it. (laughs) quality,
0: but it's it was finding, I mean, every time you try a new routine that's not just simple, like walk around, like, let me just try this little trick. You got to do something that plays big for 60 people at the same time. They got to hear you. I, didn't, I wasn't hooked up with the mic, so I had to project my voice. No sounds bouncing around because it was such a packed room. Uh, I was really afraid. I'm like, I don't know what the beats are to this book test. I mean, you can see the method. You can understand how you're going to go through it, but what's it going to play out like? How are people going to react? And so, when it's like your first time doing a new thing, you get kind of scared. So, uh, but it is rewarding to be able to reflect on that and take notes after I like, oh That's how that book test goes. That's how all the beats are. So,
2: yeah, you got to work out. <clears throat> you got to work out the stuff, right? All the little extra bits that that you add, you can add in and make it yours and that kind of thing. That's yes. book tests are an interesting thing like that. They're a great effect, but you got to make it like you got to add the stuff into it. You know, yeah. I think Nick, do you do a book test?
3: Uh, yeah, I do the Wiki Test. Nice. Um, do you love uh, I, Wiki I, Test? I, it I, like I do love. Um, I do love it. Do I do it like a lot? I'm, I'll say this: I'm always prepared for it, and I um, use like NFTs to achieve the type of um, effect NFC uh, tag. Sorry. NFC, yeah. Um, yeah. So that I can I can achieve it in in a really like nonchalant type of way um and i'll be honest i'm prepared for it more than i actually perform it but it's such a strong piece of magic and it's again one of those things we spoke about like last week where when there's an opportunity to actually do it and have it land properly like that's when i take advantage of it but ordinarily outside of that i personally my favorite book test is the um cody fisher comedy book test because you can customize it to your own liking and you can put your own books in there because you have one gaffed book, which allows you to inject your own flavor to it and also make it um, significant to the people you're performing for, whether it be, you know, for example, if you're doing an automotive thing, you might use an automotive book, like um, a dream new is how to build a Formula One car book. You know, And it would kind of make sense that you have all these books and you can personalize it a lot more. So I like that as a gaff and bringing your own flavor.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice.
3: In terms of gig stories, what do you got for us? Now, now, actually, I was reminded of a gig that I saw. The very first time I went to New York, the very first time I went to New York was actually taken there by my girlfriend. My girlfriend was a champion bartender. This is way back in the day. I think I might have been 24 years old. I've only been in magic for about a year. And she won us this trip by making, like, uh, winning winning a, a bar competition, and she made the best gin and tonic. Like, and so. We won a free flight to New York and I got to experience all the awesome magic that New York had to offer. And I got to meet Michael Chout and I got shown around. And then we went to a night. I think it was at was it Lowe's Regent Hotel or Regent Theater, Dennis? I'm not sure where they have a I think it's a Tuesday night or something. for Is it Lowe's? From
0: Monday Night Magic,
3: which it's not you- Monday night, it's another one. But I, I don't recall it was that long ago, but okay. I, the reason the reason that night was mem- was memorable was was a couple of reasons. One, I saw um, what's the name of the chick this in the cabaret. She, you know, she sings the song cabaret. What's her name? Life is a cabaret, old chum. She sings that. M-
2: Moulin Rouge. I don't know. No,
3: Where no, no. The chick, the Liza Minnelli. It was Liza Minnelli and ah. um, Debbie Reynolds were in a booth like just sitting there chilling in this like kind of jazz club. And in the back of it was where the magic night was. So it was really cool to kind of see them. And I lost it cause I'm a huge fan of Debbie Reynolds. I think she's gorgeous, especially from um, singing in the rain. Like I, she's a total crush of mine. Right. So um, anyway, we go in the back and we perform this bit and there was a a, a kid who was ro- roving like in between these acts and he was a really nice kid, but he screwed up a bunch and um, he would be like, boom and that's your card. And I'm like, uh, not quite. And he's like, Oh, and without saying a word, just sort of like got everything and started walking away. And, and I grabbed him like, whoa, 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 it's okay. Recover. He was like, what? I go recover. Like <laughs> you got this recover. And then he was like, Oh, okay. And then you recover. There you go, buddy. Good job. And I sent him away. And then Michael chat afterwards said, Oh, what do you think of the roving act? And I was like, I ah, screwed up a couple of times, but, um, yeah, he's a nice kid. And he went like well, a fire him then when you what? Like, I'm gonna fire him, and I was like, No, and I felt like <laughs> such a dick uh, because, like, I didn't mean that I was like, Oh no. And and Michael said to me, He goes, I pay them way too much for them to not be good, and I went, Fair enough, but I felt really bad that, oh, uh that that Damn. played out because I feel like I got a kid fired that night and I, and to this day I'm so regretful for it I really am
2: it, it's okay because he then went on you know Shin Lim went on to win America's Got Talent and you know the stars got talent that's, and he's fine now so that's his, own his name was Chris Angel can <laughs> <Yeah>. you believe <laughs>
3: yeah. it can
2: you believe it oh <sighs> speaking of magic performances and recovering I think it's time for another uh, effect how do you feel Dennis
0: yeah I'm up for it if you guys want to see another trick. Does that sound good? Yeah.
2: Okay, uh, uh, yeah. All right. Here we go.
0: Which means the next red card is a king of hearts, which means the queen of hearts really was the missing card. Oh, Every single card is there in this
1: entire deck of cards.
0: Wow. Um, except for the queen of hearts. Ooh,
1: nice. So nice it. to feel like a layman again. Thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: hell's going there we on go, here? <laughs> Damn.
0: <laughs> it's a card trick, and <sighs> this is also a trick that I used to do in my Zoom show. Um, but I figure it's nice with the overhead shot. So, hope you guys like that. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, we've got some <clears throat> some people already reacting to that in the comments. I think you're going to get a lot of Instagram messages because people's minds are just like,
1: oh, like twenty, 20 layers of deviousness okay. going on. I don't even know. What 12th level yeah. of crazy magi-ness is that? What?
2: <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, I love it. Do you miss Do you miss doing Zoom shows?
0: I do. Uh, not going to lie. Uh, I mean, I usually try not to go through life with regrets. But the one thing I regret is not marketing the show uh, enough. I, I worked on it so much. I mean, I work on the Tech for Dan show, and that was like we were – freaking it out every step of the way, no one's ever done it before. And so I kind of took that knowledge and experience and applied it to uh, doing a Zoom show for myself and like coming up with all sorts of uh, tricks and did a whole like 45 to 50 minute experience, um, mainly for a, a fundraiser uh, for Stop AAPI Hate, uh, which is like a mm. whole uh, movement. There's a lot of Asian American um, hate violence against uh, against us in America during that strange period of time in 2021. Uh, so it was like a little fundraiser thing that I did. I did like a run of like four shows, did a couple of corporate things thereafter, did like a virtual Monday night magic spot, but nothing beyond that because I just didn't market it so much. I just didn't know if like, oh, um, virtual is going to be here to stay or are we coming out of the pandemic? Do we need to focus on live stuff again? So I, I was very wishy-washy about it. So I think the time time's kind of passed.
2: Uh, yeah, well, hey, look, I mean, there's always going to be room for it. I mean, I've always wondered... Could you set up a, a thing, a theater where everyone comes into the theater, but then they put on like a VR headset and you can essentially have the same experience with them, but it's like this weird thing. They go out to see a show, but it's actually a virtual show. I don't know.
1: I think that's someone take an, that
2: and do it. That's what they will.
1: going to be our job. If we exist as magicians, mm. it will be that. I yeah. need so. tricks like we just saw to blow people's mind. That's really funny that you mentioned that,
0: Josh, that that was literally the exact thought that I've had uh, like towards the tail end of the whole pandemic. I'm like, I mean, how's that not going to be the future? I mean, especially I don't want to get too dark, but there's period of time. There's a lot of media coverage on shootings in America, which is so notorious mm. for having more shootings than there are days of the year that have passed. Um, even to this day, it's insane. Jesus. So I thought, okay, like public uh, events with, hundreds of people. It's just gonna be a whole liability. You just don't know we're gonna have like crazy security for every event. Mm. It just doesn't scale. So I thought, well, what's the best way for everyone to ensure their safety? You just join a channel, you put on your VR headset. Now you're, you know, you buy a ticket and you're in a certain seat You look around, you see people that bought tickets next to you wave high. And you can interact that way. Like, I could see that being the future.
1: I I just think that's going to be the future for mankind. In the next five years, we're all wearing smart glasses and communicating this way. It's going to be just unusual in general to go out of the house to meet people. It'll be just more commonplace to meet like we are right now.
3: Mm -hmm. It's going to make a speakeasy routine really interesting when you could just sort of do this and they could be like, oh, you're holding a mobile phone.
1: Yeah, but we and we kind of talked about this. <laughs> what you can't do so much is some of the other things that aren't as convincing on a black mirror, right? It's got to be cerebral for the most part.
2: Yeah, no sponge bunnies. Yeah. Damn. Hey Nick, we want to get to Nick's re- now. Last week, Nick launched his first product review and challenged everyone to enter the competition to win a product. So let's let's Nick, are you ready for your uh, Piper Magic review segment?
3: Roll the tape. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Piper Magic, the Australian premier online magic store. And this week we are reviewing Go Nuts by Matthew Wright. So friends, this is an effect in which you can borrow a ring, have it appear inside a walnut, inside of a kinder egg, inside of an orange, inside of a bag. So pretty gnarly stuff. Um, This is obviously based off the very old, I mean this trick Technically, it's about a century-year-old where, um, based off a very old trick, which was the walnut, the egg, and the lemon. Now, I've been performing a version of this trick by John Shirock for uh, about 10 years now. And this has many, many benefits to that. So, firstly, we'll talk about kind of what you get when you purchase this product. So, the very cool thing is you get this gimmicked um, surprise, this walnut, and a really clever gaffed velvet bag with the whole bunch of like magical secret stuff inside, which is all explained very, very well in a nearly one hour long tutorial, explaining on all the techniques on how to use the actual bag itself, okay? Now, as well as that, Matthew Wright released a version of a ring and walnut many years ago called the Nut Dropper. I actually have been using it ever since. I bought it from him, uh, yeah, like about 10 years ago in conjunction with the John Shrock method it's been an absolute game changer for me. Now, what I loved about this is that I was originally going to be doing a comparison between the nut dropper and this effect. But because you get both, it kind of wasn't necessary because you actually get the best of both worlds. So that's super duper handy. Now, with regards to the difficulty of this trick, it's I would not consider it a beginner's trick. Um, reason being is that... It's the type of thing that isn't hard to do as far as the mechanics goes. Like the load itself is very easy, but it's the level of knowledge that you'll have in order to be able to routine it and also the amount of preparation required to do it properly. So with the preparation that's involved, if you were to equate it to previous versions, um, you would kind of need to uh, like prepare things the day before. Like a full twenty-four hours before, this thing you can prepare within three or four minutes. So that is its biggest benefit, which I absolutely love compared to the other versions. Okay, that being said, the dip like it does require some effort, but I'm not against that. I think that anything that does that does require a lot of effort to set it up or. a little effort in or use a bit of tape or use a bit of cement or something of that nature tricks like that i love because other people aren't going to make the effort and if you make the effort you're going to look like an absolute master jedi so i'm all for that um there is a pros and cons section which honestly there are so many pros to this that i won't even make mention of them here because we'll be here for the next six minutes talking about how many good things it has so i implore you guys to go over to my youtube channel where i'll cover all those Um, in succinct, as well as the cons, which of which there are very, very few. But long story short, what I will make mention about this product is that the cost. It's $84 Aussie dollars from Piper Magic, but if you use the discount code PiperLove, you receive a discount with this purchase, but that code only exists until the end of this month. So take it upon yourself to get on it right away so you do not miss out. Now, I will finish the review by saying who is this for? This is for anyone like myself who already does a Ring in Walnut effect. Now I was performing last night at the opening of the Melbourne Magic Festival where I was sitting opposite my friend Josh Staley and he was saying to me that he goes, I have wanted to do a Ring in Walnut effect always, but I hate the amount of effort it takes. And he said that ever since buying this, he does it all the time. And that's because it is so much easier and so much quicker to do. So if it's the type of thing where you've always wanted to do it and you are a skilled magician, this is for you. Secondly, if you're a magician who has been doing this and you want to find an easier streamlined way to do it, go ahead and do that too. Because I was performing on Friday night at a 20th wedding anniversary. And I needed to, they asked me if I could just perform a piece. Now I didn't, I was booked for roving, I wasn't booked for a stage portion. But by chance, I brought it with me thinking I might have an opportunity to perform it. And I actually did it without the orange. just did it with the Kinder Egg. And I performed this piece in front of about 70 people. And it absolutely slaughtered. And I was able to set it up within minutes and rock everyone's world. So I think that if you are someone who is looking to do a ring and walnut or a nest of boxes type routine with the ring, this is for you. And I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. Thank you, friends.
0: Any questions? Hypermagic.
3: Any questions? A lovely
0: review goes?
2: there. A lovely review.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that reminds me of that, that Teller quote. Um, like, you know, sometimes magic is just someone spending more time on something uh, something uh, than anyone else might reasonably expect, right? So like, yeah. having a little bit of setup, especially with this, that you say it only takes a few minutes. I mean, this also reminds me of um uh, my friend Kevin. Uh, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing this, where uh, especially with uh, negotiating with clients for gigs, like sometimes you can pitch this idea of doing like a special routine for uh, the CEO of the company or whatever the occasion might be for like the couple the, you the know, newlyweds, and you'll do something really special for them doing like a ring in Walnut uh, for them, you can kind of uh, pitch this idea and justify a higher uh, price for for the gig. So it could have a good ROI. So,
3: yeah. Yeah, I think if you're going to customize routines, it should be a privilege that people pay for, Um, which only makes sense. If you buy a vehicle and you want leather seats, you pay extra for leather seats. But then if you decide you want to have white leather seats, then you should say, okay, the white leather seats cost X amount more. And I think it's good to be modular in that sense because I think when you're quoting anything, it should be the answer is yes and yes. It's not like yes and no. It's like, do you want this or do you want it with fries? So it's yes and yes with fries. So it's always yes and yes and yes. It's never a, do you want me or not? So I think that's I can
1: see room for this if this is in your professional toolkit, say you're a cruise ship worker and you do the ring and the walnut and maybe you need a backup so you don't have to worry about having walnuts or something goes wrong and yeah, you know, for a performer that doesn't want to replenish their materials or maybe can't
3: Mm. where they're working. You know, and I didn't mention this just for the sake of time, but like with with the other methods, you know, you you can effectively achieve the same effect without smelling like a glue factory because there is quite a bit of adhesives involved with the older versions that have been created in the past. It is so much more handy just to be able to use this method.
1: And I think eliminating the orange is the right step for this because it goes from organic to not organic, where like you, the John Chirac method is all organic. It's a beautiful routine, that one.
3: Absolutely. But,
1: but this one, what I think it's great, just the kinder egg into the nut, into the bag. That's wonderful. That's fine.
3: Yeah. And I'll just leave with finishing this by saying that one criticism that people have said is that the walnut doesn't look entirely realistic. And I will push back on that by saying that a kinder surprise does have a toy inside of it. So I think that if you were going to be doing this effect, it's fair to have a kind of surprise in which you open up and there is a toy walnut inside. I think you should lean Mm. into that and just say that like, well, it's a, you know, of course, it's a toy. Inside is a toy. Oh, it's a toy walnut. And then inside the walnut is your ring. I think that's equally a strong bit. I don't think you should present this in a way that it's like, oh, look at this real walnut. That's not the smartest way to go about it, I think. Mm -hmm. But yeah. But it's a cracking routine. Yeah.
2: Who's the winner from last week?
3: All right, friends. As we did make mention, uh, when I reviewed Juan Colas's Heartbeat and you guys rushed to purchase it immediately and sadly it had sold out, I thankfully had one copy uh, which was donated to me by Piper and I decided, you know what, friends? I am going to give it away. So uh, before the show, we made a list of things. We ran a couple of numbers and very, very happy to announce... The winner of Juan Carlos Pazzi is Noah the Magician.
2: Oh, boy. <clears throat> is Noah, roommate, Noah in is the chat? Noah? I'm looking real. I think this is Noah here. Here he is.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh. Hey, man. Hey. hey. Bless That's your so heart. Lovely. Noah Chaney, you're a good kid. Um, Woo. So, Noah, there you thank go. you so much. For subbing to the to everything, I see that you're an up-and-coming young magician. We're very happy at the Magic Guys to be able to contribute to your plight. I will be in touch uh, after the show, and we'll set up all the details we need to so I can send this out to you so you can start blowing minds. Thank you very, very much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So before we um, jump to our last few pieces here, there's a couple of questions we'll just quickly skim through from um, from the audience here asking yep. uh, Dennis. Let me just scroll. Everyone's congratulating Noah. So now I'm trying to scroll back up. But I think one was they were asking about like the other uh, magicians in New York. So, geez, yep. I really have to... Scroll up
3: here a Are you lot friends here. With my friends. Is that hey, can you do of- a
1: quick rundown of where yeah. a guy might buy a ticket to see a magic show in New York? Like, what's out there these days?
0: Yeah, there, there's Monday Night Magic. I know they recently moved uh venues. Uh, there's Speakeasy Magic. If you guys know or know of Todd Robbins, who kind of runs that thing, uh, that's four nights a week, which is amazing.
1: Is uh, there, I know Mark Calabrese is there,
0: right? Is a regular there, there yeah. Yeah, uh, they have Blaze. <clears throat> Blaze. is also there. Uh, Rachel Wax. Um, do you see, see Blaze much? Only when I do Speakeasy, which I've done a number of times, but it's so conflicting with Dan's shows that right. I just can't be mm. so regular. Everything is conflicting for the most part. So they have That'd- magicians on the roster that are more consistent, so they'd rather go with that, which is fine. Right? I've done it maybe yeah, like we- five or six times. And it's a good gig, yeah. but I've only seen them when I'm doing that. Yeah.
2: And what about yeah. uh, Ozzy Wins in this circle? Have you seen that show yet?
0: Oh, right. No, I have yet to see it. I've heard so many people uh, talk about it. A lot of mixed mm. reviews, uh, but a lot of people do like it. Um, I hear more positive things and negative, of course, uh, but I have yet to see it. Um,
3: there's yeah, I show. think
2: he, he just won an award. Yeah. Oh, all
3: right. You well. know, I'm curious as to, like, whether or not um, – like, Derek Dalgadio was the kind of catalyst which which really inspired people to start doing things of this nature. I think that, like, after Derek did his show, we saw people like Joshua J doing their thing, you know? Yeah, those impossible things. And everyone started doing their own things. And it's like, there is a caliber of magic that it's really starting to inspire. And I think it's it's great, you know? And, Absolutely. like, the, a, a question I have for you with regards to that before we go on to your trick is that, like, what what is it that sets those shows apart, you know like what is it that sets Dan's? Cause I mean because it wasn't long after Dalgaio was doing his show that um Dan White was going on to you know talk shows and blowing people's minds like no one's business like it was right. yeah there you go
1: oh
0: yeah,
3: yeah I didn't it. mean to
2: interrupt the combo, but yeah, this no, award no. is the oh, twenty twenty three off Broadway alliance award there you go,
3: yeah so well, yeah, so I'm just asking. curious like you know so Del- Delgadio's was was a highly emotional piece um you know, and and I think that is it. Is the key to make it personal? Is the key to just show show them something that they've never ever seen before? Like, what is the key that you've seen? Like, is there a common thread that you could say? Well, and without like giving away, like, oh, what you have to do is this, but like, <laughs> what's the common right. thread you're seeing, Dennis? Oh man, if if
0: I could give you an answer, I mean, I'll do it myself. No, I mean, mm. it, it's <laughs> such different styles, and the timeline's kind of strange because. Uh, I remember I saw Delgado's show uh, the summer after I graduated college and I went away to uh, to Massachusetts for college. So I wasn't in New York for like the past four years prior to that and I came back in 2017 and I saw his magic show and that was the first magic show that I had ever seen before. Um, so I, I don't know if there were other shows before that in New York. Uh, from what you're saying, it seemed like that. Ricky was J. Like, is the, Jay is uh, in New York doing stuff.
2: And the then go- we're forgetting we're forgetting one that's been going for 20 years in New York: Steve Cohen's Steve Chamber guy. Magic.
3: Steve, and Cohen that's kind of a hidden guy. secret, right. right? Like that 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 mm. has just been like this if you know, you know type situation, right? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- there's just so many different styles. I know uh, Darren Brown was uh, doing uh, Broadway for like. Only like a few months uh, shortly after the audio. Um I suggest, without
1: Ricky J and his fifty-two assistants, that a lot of this isn't happening.
2: Yeah, and and Ozzy Wynn actually references. It's worth reading his Instagram post, but he references that like that, that that Ricky J really paved the way, especially for close-up magic being seen in a theater situation. Yep.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, oh, big well, time. You
3: know, it's interesting you say that because, like, I think that if. Depending on where you are on the planet, like being in a parlor setting, in a close-up setting, it's pretty foreign here in Oz. There's only one location I could think of, which is the Laneway Theater, where I'm doing my show um, on Wednesday, right? Mm -hmm. But I think in Europe, common practice, especially in Spain, this is why you can have guys like... Danny D. Ortiz who just murder the scene with sitting at a you know at a table and get to be fat mm. and not move around at all and just be awesome with cards, there is a benefit in that. But the environments, like I think that you've got to either take the step yourself and manufacture the environment, right? You know, because I think that's basically I think what Mickey happened. He did that. I think yeah. back, you know,
1: off Broadway or Broadway in New York City. No one's doing close-up theater magic shows thirty years ago in New yeah. York. City, I don't think. Maybe Monday Night Magic would count as... Monday Night Magic was doing it. Mm. But. That's
3: a big show, man. Like, that is... How many seats in... Like, when I went there, it seemed like you fit a couple hundred people in there. Yeah, or that's so not
1: intimate, right? Not intimate. Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Question, yeah. Dennis. How was well. it being featured on Millennial Money?
0: Oh, it, oh, it, was, uh, it was good. It was fun. It's funny. Uh, a producer reached out to me in 20... God, has it hasn't been two years already. 2021, <laughs> or like the end of... What was it? Was it? I don't know. COVID has messed up my whole timeline, but it, it, it was deletes
2: like, two years from our life. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So it, I think it was two years ago because it said I was 26 in that video and um, she just found me on Instagram. I guess I was posting a few videos. It's was like, oh, it'd be cool to have a magician. Uh, you do this full time. Uh, I'd love to get your story. And I gave her my story and she's like, "This is actually a lot more interesting than just all oh, I do magic. Like there's a lot more to it and where I'm coming from, how I'm able to do this now, what I have to overcome. And turns out that she's good friends or, or, yeah, really good friends with my brother's best friend from high school. It was like a weird thing. So like kind of secured it. <laughs> and um, it was a really, really nice experience um, just sharing all the things that they asked for, like on the financial side, but also, you know, talk about magic and my story. It was nice to be able to uh, have that opportunity to speak about like where I'm coming from. You don't usually talk about certain things like that and if you guys watch the video know what I'm talking about
2: yeah look I encourage people to go look at a different yeah from a different perspective as opposed to like we want to know about your consulting and magic and how how your tricks work
0: absolutely (laughs) but I don't need to to, uh, change topic too much I just want to say with um, what you're asking before Nick uh, if there was one thing I had to say I think it's also a matter of like what you want right I mean, there's a reason why we all pursue this as a career. It's like, this is what we want to do. It's what we love. But like, what does success exactly mean? Right. You have Copperfield who's in his late 60s. He's still doing shows in Vegas, still doing like three shows on Christmas from what I've heard. Like, why why are you doing that to yourself? Right. Like you're a billionaire, but you're still doing it. Um, Dan White, you know, before the pandemic, we were at 1160 shows. Right. It's like, doing this every single weekend mm. and there's people like josh jay i'm sure his show was great i wasn't able to see it but it was a very limited run or like darren brown he was here for only like a few months before he went back to the uk it's like there's certain desires that are vary from person to person but i think one secret for sure is if you really want to have like a lasting show is to just keep i mean assuming that you have the poll and the ticket sales and everything that's all the logistics i have no idea you have to figure it out for yourself but like Uh, to make these small incremental percentage uh, improvements every single show, you can't get comfortable like, oh, that was a great show. Everyone loved it. Let's keep doing that. It's like, yes, Mm -hmm. and here are the notes for all the, just the micro moments of like, oh, you could have tweaked what you said there. You could have faced the audience in this moment. Like the smallest things, um, those things add up over tens and dozens and hundreds of shows to the point where it's like, there's just no competition. I'll, I guess I kind of am biased because I work with Dan and that's really the formula I see. Um, but that's probably what Copperfield has done
3: before too. So. I'll say this to your point. I know that um when Delgadio was doing his show, he even had Michael Weber there, right up reviewing his show, even on the last night. Like he was ending the show permanently, never to be performed again. And he was still having his consultants are giving him notes, like to the bitter, bitter end. Like that is what it takes. And I think that there's something that was really embedded in me at a very young age. I used to, like in my early uh, 20s, I used to work for a very successful uh, company. And this was before I even got into magic. And what the CEO explained to me was, he goes, like business is formula one. And I love Formula 1. And that made a lot of sense to me. He goes, there's milliseconds. So when you look at Formula 1, guys, there's 20 cars racing. And the s- fastest one and the slowest one, uh, there is a-, a second and a half between them. But you can be 20 or you could be first. And it could be one and a half seconds between you guys. So that, to me, was mind-blowing. So the fact that it takes 0.000, 000 seconds to be better <laughs> than the guy in front of you, that's what it takes. You've got to take the moment and start trimming away the fat way you can. I'm not saying be the fastest. That's not what it's about. It's about being the most efficient and being the best in one way or another. In Formula One or in racing, it's about being quick. But when you're doing your magic moments, there is moments that you've got to look at mm-hmm. and, you know, like applause points. Know when to be quiet. Know when to speak. You know, know how long before you reveal a card. Um, I've seen some guys, you know, squeeze a three-minute routine into 14 minutes. It's like, why, bro? Like, just a yeah. it already. God. <laughs> and you
2: know? and just to that point of um Derek Delgardio having his show reviewed even to the last one, I remember watching the movie um of Laurel and Hardy's Life, you know, the vaudeville act performers. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but it was bloody great. And they're like – they were from – what the early 1900s or something uh, and they you know went on to make movies and stuff oh, okay. like that but mm-hmm. but basically this and the movie's great it goes on about them becoming famous and performing you know, on stage You
1: did my favorite trick or the first time the invisible deck appeared was in a laurel and Hardy flick
2: Oh my Hooray, God the invisible wow.
1: stick was a, originally appeared in a laurel and Hardy.
2: Sure. Oh, my God. So, I, I encourage everyone to go watch it. But um, in the movie, they show that even after um, one of them died, the other guy was still writing bits, like, for their acts. Like, he was still writing double acts that they would have done. Um, it just never never stopped, you know. Yeah.
1: So cool.
2: Speaking of acts, Dennis, we would love to see one more for you, my friend, if you have uh, one more sure. piece of magic for the, for the viewers. What do you guys reckon? You guys want to see one more? Yes. They're saying we want to see one more.
0: And, you know, before I I do this, I I would also love to ask uh, everyone that's in the chat, like, what your relationship with magic is. Uh, I'd love to just see the responses to come back to thereafter. Um,
2: Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'd
0: love to do another thing.
2: Let's do it. Let's give you a little uh, stinger here. Oh, that's not a good one. There we go. I
0: wanted to read out loud a line in my bio that might resonate with you.
2: Okay, let me go to it now. Dennis Kim. All right, and also while I'm doing this, um, his Instagram handle is in the description of wherever you're watching this. Okay, so... Oh, my God. I believe today Josh will oddly think of Nathan. Look at that. And then underneath that, it conveniently says, book me. All right, that was awesome. (laughs) Thank you that, so much. I wow.
1: appreciate
2: That's crazy. And look, yeah, amazing. I don't know how you're doing this stuff, but obviously you're the right guy for the job when it comes to you know, people needing your brain for magic. I think uh, it's time for our final word, but uh, Doug, Nick, do you have anything you want to add before we? Yes,
1: I do. Dennis, thank you so much for the wonderful magic tonight. What a treat.
0: I
3: appreciate it. Um, One last thing I'd like to say before we wrap up, friends, as well, is that the Melbourne Magic Festival is currently running and will be doing so for the next couple of weeks. We started with the close-up gala yesterday, opening the show. It was totally sold out. Um, Many shows were sold out already, but there's also some amazing, amazing talent coming through. The amazing Mario Lopez will also be lecturing, which I think there's only like a small handful of tickets available for that that lecture for the magicians out there. But if you are in Melbourne and you want to scope it out, check out melbournemagicfestival.com.au and uh, yeah, come and join us. We're doing a whole bunch of magic and doing lectures. So do not miss out.
0: guys, thanks so much for uh, being part of this episode. And thanks for tuning in. Uh, this has been such a great conversation. Uh, once again, my name is Dennis Kim. I've been doing magic uh, full time uh, since I was about 22, 23 years old. Um, and I pursued this. I took a risk and quit my job to do this because I just love magic so much. I love performing. And I think if you're a magician that's watching this, you know that feeling of bringing that, that joy and like just pure like astonishment uh, to people as you share this this craft, this art. Uh, and so I think it's really important to hold on to that and keep performing. I mean, it's kind of a strange time in this world, wherever you are. Uh, but I, I've noticed consistently, like, magic is such a strange, like, rare form of entertainment that has this level of interactivity that other things don't really uh, provide in that sense, like like music and the likes. So it's really unique. Um, I think it's a really, really good uh, way to not just, like, break the ice, but I mean, it's just such a interesting uh, art form that is still in, I would say in its infancy relative, just to the span of like humanity. And I think as like tech continues to grow and as, uh, more magicians start sharing ideas and as uh, things just kind of develop, magic's only going to get better. You know, I, I don't really think of magic as being dead or that it's going to be dead. Uh, I really do see all of us uh, adapting to the times and it's only going to get better. And I just love magic. and I'm sure you do too, if you're watching this. So, um, Hold on to that, keep performing, uh, keep learning, read books, keep watching lectures, and whatever you can to be a better magician. And uh, let's all get better together.
1: Thanks for listening. It's time for
3: us to disappear now. Disappear now. But we'll see you again on the next episode of The Magic Guys.